Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Christian Music Bros podcast. We're excited you're joining us today. My name is Braden, and this is Brendan. Hello, everyone. And we're excited that you're following us on this new episode today. Follow us on all the Spotify platforms, social media. Thank you again for watching. Today, we're with an amazing guest, David Zach. Oh, Zach of Remedy Drive. <laughs> it's good to be on the show, guys. Is your name Brad or Brad in? Brad in, actually. Oh, okay. Good. I'm glad we cleared. Now we're even. You said Zach, and I, I was thinking Brad, but um, that's okay. We call him Brad sometimes. So Brad and Brent, Brendan. That's why we get confused with our names all the time too. So thank you again for joining us. Um, David is the lead singer to the band Remedy Drive. You can find all the music on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere you can listen to music. Even you can find them on the old iTunes in the iTunes store. I'm, I don't know. That was just a joke. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm um, not even sure what's different now, man. Exactly. It's all so that I can't like get songs. I had a, I, I needed a song for a soundtrack the other day and I didn't know where I could buy it. So I had to buy it. Like I tried on Amazon. It was that theme song from the Modelo commercial, which is actually like an old time. Um, uh, I think from the good, the bad and the ugly from that soundtrack. And it's a remix of a song from that soundtrack. So I had to buy it on some obscure website to get the MP3. <laughs> I usually just use Amazon, but okay. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for joining us. Can you just start off talk a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in music, your music journey? Um, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. I started writing songs in high school, and then my brothers and I, um, three of us, started playing at the university, like free concerts. Um, and then my other brother came back from California. We just started playing and people started inviting us places. And so when I graduated college with a math degree, um, just ended up playing playing shows and trying to like roof houses and stuff, uh, washing windows. I got trained into rappel on high rise window washing um, at like that first, that first half a year after college, like kind of looking for a job. Um, and then we realized we could do, do it full time. So that's how it started for us. Very cool. Are you talking like high rise, like the things you see in beach towns, like those big buildings on the beach or like size skyscrapers? Yeah, but I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska skyscrapers. So I'm only talking about maybe 20, 20 stories. <laughs> so the cornfield skyscrapers, got it. Cornfield skyscrapers. Yeah, that's a kind way to say it. Um, can, it can it just start telling us off a little bit, uh, transitioning to more into the music about how you formed Remedy Drive and tell us a little bit about your guys' background there? Um. Well, I just started at writing songs and my, and you know, one of my brothers, I said, maybe you can play bass and another brother, maybe you can play drums. And, um, I never dreamed we'd get to go full time. If I'm being honest with you, like I never dreamed that I'd still be, um, making music 25 years later for a living. Um, and it was playing free concerts, handing out a ton of flyers, putting up table tents that have the advertisement for the concert in the dorms on campus. And I miss that. Like, I miss that, like a uh, grassroots thing. Like it, we were, we were hungry. We, we just invited everybody we knew to every concert we played and it built from there. Right. Anyone that something? Yeah. You mentioned that you've been doing this for like, I think 25 years now, which is incredible. What's that been like, you know, staying consistent, releasing music with the same name, you know just really going through all these festivals concerts cds i'm sure that's definitely been 
a lot on you guys continually making such good quality music. So what's that journey been like? For me, I'm just so thankful because um, I love writing songs. Like I think I'd think about writing songs even if I didn't do this. Anytime I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking about like, oh, that's a cool line. That guy said something cool. If I'm in a conversation, somebody says something inspiring, I'll, I'll put it in the notes on my phone. Back in the day, it was like, you know, I kept a notepad. Or I'll sing like voice memos into my phone, um, like a melody ideas I get. Um, so I, I just love paying attention to what's going on and trying to capture and kind of like um, chronicle something that's chronicle beauty. Like I'm always looking for something that's beautiful, something that moves me, something that um, that sounds true, that sounds meaningful. Uh, whether I'm reading C.S. Lewis or or in a conversation with my kid, you know. Love that. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't get to write songs. Like, I think I'd still write songs even if nobody was listening. <laughs> so I'm just thankful people listen still. That's really cool. Like, I like songwriting. I like, like reading lyrics. I'm like a big lyric person. Yeah. Even if the background music's horrible, I'm just a big lyric person in general. Like, I just like try to find a meaning. That's like the biggest thing I like. I think yeah. Brian can agree. That's like a big thing. Like, like this podcast is about just finding like meanings and songs and stories and songs. Yeah, that's cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit about one of your favorite songs you've written or a story of one of your songs you've written? Um, I don't know what song. What song do you think I should? Whatever one you feel like we let this is free, like we just do like whatever if we like, um, one of my songs recently that keeps on coming back up in current events that I am particularly fond of the lyric on it's one of my most like lyrically it's one of the songs I'm most proud of is warlike and in the song warlike I asked the question on the course is why are we so why are we so warlike as a species um and it kind of is a sequel to a song I have called The Cool of the Day. And The Cool of the Day says, what was it like before the fall? What was it like before the use of force, before the great divorce, before the curse began to take its course? In the cool of the day, we walked together. And just for me to imagine humanity apart from violence, apart from that first stone that crushed the skull of a brother. Um, and the invention of the spear and then the arrow and the sword and um the musket the ar-15 ak-47 uh the a-bomb and so in warlike um as someone that hates slavery as well um i i chronicle all the all the things that make my life comfortable that make my life what it is and the impact they have on people that are um, just struggling to survive because of conflict, because of violence, because of the Colton, which is a blood mineral inside my cell phone. There's a mineral called Colton that it's mined really unethically um, at the expense of life, at the expense of um, child soldiers, uh, uh, people that are enslaved, people that are exploited, people are taken advantage of, just like our diamonds, our coffee, our cocoa, um, our chocolate. And so the song has just so much lyric in it. But for me, um, it's my way of of imagining and hoping and wishing that um, and believing that there's a goodness and a kindness in us that um, will outlast and outlive uh, this temporary warlike tendency that we have. 
Thanks for sharing it. I agree with that. And like, oh, it's cool to it's like see everything has like lyrical meaning. Like that's a big thing about songwriting and like performing. It all has to come together to make one. Yeah. Brad, anything you want to add off that very quick before I transition? Yeah. Um, the first song I actually heard from you guys, Remedy Drive, was actually a song called Better Than Life that you guys released many years ago. Yeah. yeah since then, I know your music's gone through a lot of changes musically, lyrically, honestly. I'm a bigger fan of you guys now than I used to be because I love the beauty that you do in these lyrics. Yeah. So what's that been like the lyrical transition? We're going to transition soon to more about the mission you guys are doing. But like, what's that been going from more kind of mainstream Christian music to now this passionate releases that you've been doing for the past few years? Yeah, we were, and we never intended to be mainstream. <laughs> you know, uh, was it never really set right in my soul? I never set out to do it. But I'm also thankful that we were for a few years, you know, I'm thankful that because of Better Than Life, you found out about our band, right? And the same with like All Along, which was a great, a great song. And I'm thankful for that song. And it put us um, kind of on the outskirts of the mainstream. We were never right in the center, but we we're kind of on the outskirts of that mainstream thing. Um, and I'm thankful for it because a lot of people found out about Remedy Drive. And but then, you know, even in Better Than Life, Better Than Life's a great song to 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 um talk about that translation in lyric right so i'm singing uh i need you to keep my heart beating to keep my lungs breathing and then i quote one of my favorite poems from one of my favorite authors david the psalmist he says your love is better than life which is a great psalm except for the last two verses which are just weird you know like like if you read that like the last two verses i wish i i literally have you know i wish i could just block them out like they're really gross uh, like it's something about like dashing the heads of the, your enemies against the stones and celebrating violence, honestly. Um, and, and in the midst of this beautiful song. And so around that time, I started questioning a lot in my life. Like, what are we really doing? We're singing. We just sing. Um, and what else do we do? We listen to people talk and we talk. And 98% of the budget from Christian institutions and buildings that we build go towards the building, the singing, and the talking. And yet scripture, the scripture that I love that I'm not blocking out like the last two verses of that uh, Psalm, which forgive me if you think that's an issue, but I just don't like that part of it. I didn't literally like put a line through it. I just don't like those verses. Um, but I do like the ones where Amos, the prophet is saying, hey, I'm kind of tired of your singing. Like you're singing all the time, tired of your praying. I'm going to plug my ears when you pray because you plug your ears to the cries of the poor and the oppressed and the downtrodden. And then you read Isaiah and he says similar things like the prophet Isaiah. And he's not saying it to everybody. He's saying it specifically to the people that make the claim that they're following in the ways of the creator, right? He's not saying, hey, everybody, I'm tired of you and your songs. He's saying, no, I'm tired of songs that are pretending to be something uh, but then on the other hand, where's the action to go with your words? Where's the, where's the care for the oppressed? Where's the medicine for the poor? Where's the advocating in the city gates, which would be kind of in the, in the political sphere, in the public sector? Where's the advocating for the rights and the privilege of the poor and the powerless? And so I see this, these, these uh, commands and these demands that scripture has on me um, as someone who makes the claim that I'm trying to follow in the ways of the creator. And then I see the shortcoming. I'm, I'm kind of like the people that those passages were written to. 
I'm the one that the, the one that created the heavens and the earth is saying, I'm going to plug my ears when you sing. It's actually an annoyance to me because you sing, 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 you pray, 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 you talk, 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 preach, preach, preach. But where's the action? And you read, you know, Jesus's half brother, James, which I hold in higher regard uh, than a lot of the other writers, just because he was Jesus' half brother. Um, but James, uh, these are jokes, by the way. <laughs> so if anybody's listening only, you can see that we're smiling. But James is like, hey, I'm looking for real religion. Thank you, Stella. My daughter brought me a coffee. I'm looking for real religion. And that religion is action. It's actual care for the oppressed. It's actual care for the orphan and the widow. And so that shift happened right around the time that we released Better Than Life. Um, and uh, I wanted to write specifically about enslaved people. I wanted to write about um, justice-related issues. Um, and I found out very fast there wasn't a lot of room for that in what you call mainstream Christian music. Uh, and it's pretty obvious from the from the forefront why there isn't room because um, the label executives would say, hey, there's a soccer mom in a minivan in Michigan and she doesn't want to hear about boy soldiers. She doesn't want to hear about war. She doesn't want to hear about these weird verses from Amos and Isaiah. She just wants to hear that everything's good. Everything's going to be all right. She's forgiven. There's no requirement of action, um, you know. You just need to be this little ray of sunshine for everybody. <laughs> it's kind of funny to bring up Michigan because I'm from Michigan. So yeah, <laughs> and I know I know soccer moms in Michigan, and they're cool people. That I, I like, yeah. they want to help. They want to change the world, man. And uh, uh, but these gatekeepers have some money to make, and so they they told me you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to make money writing songs about slavery. You know, you're not gonna make money. Um, trying to challenge people to change the way they live. People just want to be comfortable. They want the safe for the whole family version of Christianity. And what are you coming in here talking about, you know, this other this other stuff. But what feels good to me, and this is a long answer to your question, man, they hated Isaiah. They hated Amos. The power brokers, the ones whose livelihood depended on keeping the status quo, have never been excited about um people saying, hey, there needs to be a major change here. And that's what I'm saying. There needs to be a major change um, in, at the very least, in what we spend our money on when it comes to like tithing. Like think of, that. Think of like 98% of somebody's tithe going into just the talk and the talk and not living out the faith, taking care of orphans, welcoming refugees and exiles, loving enslaved people, feeding people that need there's there's crumbs from the table left over and um so i wanted to try to try to like nudge um, anybody here in my songs in the direction of repenting turning from from our safe positive encouraging christianity towards 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 the dangerous unselfishness prescribed by dr king and other people that were inspiring me at the time thank you for sharing that i think that's really cool. And especially with the, you have a mission called Exodus Road. Can mm -hmm. you explain, and it looks like a couple of your songs have been inspired about that. Can you talk a little bit about your mission with Exodus Road and everything? So we left that record label. Um, and we haven't had a song on the radio since uh, because I wanted to write songs about human trafficking, about boy soldiers. 
And my, uh, one of the executives said, but isn't worship singing and all that other stuff? And that was when I realized, man, man, can you read Amos 5? But um, we didn't get into it that much. I just realized it wasn't a fit. The Exodus Road, the founder of the Exodus Road, knew my band. His name is Matt Parker. His wife's name is Laura. She's the CEO. And he, he knew us from the radio from back in the day. Um, he didn't know that I was leaving the record label in 2013 and writing songs about slavery. The first one was, I'm a soul inside a body. I'm not a commodity. Inspired by both boy soldiers, Harriet Tubman, Dr. King. Um, and this was just a cool intersection. Um, I'm halfway done with an album and, and it was going to be like you said, Brandon, just a couple songs. Um, but it ended up being a whole concept record called commodity and then two more to follow it up. So a trio of human trafficking awareness albums in the last nine years. Um, but I was halfway done with it and there's going to be a few songs that reference trafficking and randomly Matt, who founded the Exodus road said, I want to meet with you. I'd never met him before. And he talks about this organization that he, he was, had just started and they were going in spying on criminal networks that are selling, uh, teenage girls for sex and, and, and younger kids for sex too, spying on them, finding evidence of what they're doing and then partnering with law enforcement, fighting through corruption at different levels of law enforcement, different levels of criminal networks and making rescues and making arrests. And he was, uh, had been doing that for two years when I met him. And he was just wanted me to help raise awareness and raise funds. I said, I can't just raise funds. I can't just sing about this. Let me join you in some capacity. So that's how it started for me. So I spent like the last nine years touring, playing music. That's my day job. That's how I feed my family. Um, but then I volunteered with this organization, the Exodus Road. I just got back from Asia, spying on, on punks that are selling teenage girls. And on this recent trip, we, um, you know, this girl that was like 14 I met on the street and she took me to um this brothel that she worked at and we went back there three times talked hung out got to know them and set up set up an operation where we ended up uh participating in the freedom of five minor girls three other women and arrested all the traffickers involved which was thrilling so that's what we're doing right now and that's what our that's what our fan base is helping to fund this is just kind of a segue question. Have you seen the movie Sound of Freedom that just came out? Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen it yet, but the Exodus Road does very similar work yeah, to Operation Underground Railroad. So I think Brad, Brad and you saw it, right? Yes, I saw it just a few days ago. Yeah, and I saw it like Friday. And where's, like, the, where's it at? Is it in Colombia? Is it in Latin America? Do you, where's it? It was Colombia. I think the movie was Colombia. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like when I was reading about Exodus Road before we met with you and everything, I was just doing a little research. It just reminded me that I, we, we both saw Sound and Freedom. Yeah. Like, this is kind of perfect timing because it like kind of goes into it. Yeah. So for the audience who's watching, if you get the chance, you should go see Sound, Sound and Freedom. It's powerful, emotional. I think Braden would, what the, Braden, would you agree with that? Definitely. I've never got more emotional during a movie and human trafficking is a topic that I know Brendan and I and David, we all feel very strongly about because it's such an evil thing that's going on that we need to be more exposure to understanding how evil this thing is and stopping yeah. it and raising awareness and actually going out there. And The Sound of Freedom is a great movie that really encourages that, shows it, and it's definitely a movie I would highly recommend to see. Yeah, I need to see it at some point. It's um, it's not a, I'll, wait, I'll probably wait till it ends up at a, on a streaming platform, but 
that's similar work to what we do. It's uh, honestly very similar and there's different strategies and there's just different techniques. Um, and trafficking looks different in different places. Like I've been near where the movie's made. I've been in, I've worked down there. I've spied on criminal networks there. I've been part of raids there. You know, I've seen, I've seen helicopters, um, and like SWAT teams bust into some of the places that I had been. I spent a week um, in Latin America a couple years ago, and we did sting operations on four different sets of traffickers, um, four days in a row. And then as soon as I was leaving the country, all those traffic trafficking rings got raided simultaneously, which was thrilling, you know, because I love I, I I love and I believe that rescue is important or contributing to someone's freedom. That's really important, but um, also important is arresting traffickers, getting them off the street, sending a message to criminal networks, traffickers and customers that somebody's watching. What you're doing is going to become more dangerous because there's people like my friends that are spying on you, whether or not you know it, looking for you, and they're not going to stop looking for you. So, so stop doing what you're doing. Go find another line of work. That's the message we're sending. Um, and especially when, when traffickers get, get paraded out on television, you know, in on the news and handcuffs with their heads down, it makes other traffickers um, a little more wary, a little more dodgy, and it pushes it down into the shadows. Hopefully, it pushes the average age of girls being being sold. Hopefully, that age. We, hopefully, we'll see that age going up. Um, I'm not in of the belief that we're going to end slavery in in our lifetime. You know. Uh, it's something that's been going on for a long time in different forms and human trafficking is the current form of this idea that someone can own someone else. It's an absurd idea. Um, and, and it's prevalent, you know, it's prevalent overseas. It's prevalent here, here. It usually looks different here. Um, it's going to be like the soccer coach in Franklin, Tennessee that just got arrested. Um, or all the youth pastors that keep on getting arrested for trafficking head of a Christian festival, um, camp directors. There's there's a camp that people keep sending their kids to in, in Missouri where all these kids got taken advantage of by by one of their counselors. And I'm I'm just tired of seeing it overseas, but I'm tired of seeing it here too. Yeah. Sorry, this is just a hard topic to talk about. So like I just thought any thought. Brad, do you have anything you want to follow up with? Yeah, definitely. Um like, and thank you so much for all you're doing to help these, especially the miners, to get out of this, to arrest the traffickers. It's definitely something that we need more awareness about. So for yeah. the list people who are listening right now, what would you say would be the best ways for them to, if they feel that stirring, like, how can I help? How can I bring awareness somehow, even if they can't go out there into the field, what would you say is the best thing for listeners to do to help in this in the best way we can? Well, I confidently believe that everybody can help. And that's been my experience in nine years. We all have a certain currency. And my currency happens to be lyrics. Like that's my ability. That's my, that's what I bring to the table. And I think that's my, my most significant contribution to the counter trafficking movement is my lyric. But you guys have a currency and you're spending the currency of your podcast for a little bit here on helping to raise awareness about trafficking. Um, we all have literal currency and the Exodus road needs funds. You know, that's how we do what we do. And, um, I think there's programs for like 19 bucks. So a few coffees a month can put investigators into the field. 
And I know most of the investigators in India, in Thailand, in the Philippines, in two countries in Latin America and in the States. I know them personally. There's, these are brave, heroic women and men that are doing this work. And I, I, I'm passionate about funding them. But there's ways to both fund and raise awareness that I could never have thought of. So my answer to question is like, what's your currency? What do you have that's unique? Your fingerprints, your voice, your time, your art, the currency of your moral capital, the currency of your vote, the currency of your creativity, the currency of your imagination, what are you going to spend it on? Um, Isaiah said, if you spend yourself on behalf of the oppressed, then your light will rise like the noonday. And this idea that we can spend our lives, a seemingly insignificant contribution um, can change somebody's life. And so I've seen that over and over again, like a, a lady in Iowa ran a 5K in stiletto high heels to raise awareness. Like that's, that's something I would have never thought. When, when someone answer, asked me the question, you just asked, asked me, Brad, I would have never thought, well, you could run a 5K in stiletto high heels, <laughs> but that's what she did. And it brought awareness, it brought funds. I met a 16 year old last summer at a festival in New England and she's already put in 500 man hours. She just received the goal award from the, um, the uh, Girl Scouts. Um, and she's done all these speaking engagements and that's, that's crazy, um, that's significant. Um, I met people at concerts, six so far, that said, where do I sign up? And they've came over, just like I donate my time, I buy my plane tickets. They donate their time, their plane tickets, and they bring their skill set to the front lines, spying on criminal networks. They got trained, they got vetted. So there's all sorts of different levels of interaction from 20 bucks a month to going overseas to running a 5K in stiletto to a couple that just donated instead of like getting toasters and sheets and stuff at their wedding, all their wedding gifts went to the Exodus Road, which is like, I mean, that's overwhelming. That's like, wow. You know, I hope they... They'll have to go with low low thread count on their sheets for a couple of years. I don't know. I still got my sheets from from uh, twenty years ago. <laughs> That's pretty powerful, though. Like with all the people helping and everything, I think this is just like something that should have more awareness. That I feel like yeah. a lot of people personally push aside. Like it's happening, but people don't take action per se. And there's a lot of reasons not to. And the, one of the best reasons not to do anything is this belief that ah, I can't really, I can't really make a difference. And what I'm asking anybody that hears this to, 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 to think about and to be like, and who I want to be like is a kid. So the story goes, um, at a time where Jesus Christ from Nazareth was doing one of his public speaking engagements and everybody's wore out, tired and hungry, right? You know the story, um, 10,000 people, um, hungry people. And that's 10,000 because um, at the time they're pretty sexist. They didn't count the women and children when they put those numbers together. That's why people say the feeding of the 5,000. But the kid comes up and says, hey, I have a, my lunch here. Maybe this can help. And the adults were like, oh, bro, bro, we don't need your lunch. Like that's not gonna help anything. And yet this confidence of a child that says my five loaves of bread and my two fish matter here. And I'm going to actually give my whole lunch to this cause. And then the creator of the heavens and the earth lifts it up and blesses it somehow. And as the story is told, that whole hillside of 10,000 human beings ate and there was leftover. And so 
that's the confidence I'm looking for from you, from anybody that hears this. What do you have? What is your five loaves of bread? What's your two fish? How can you use that? Um, what creativity and imagination can you bring to the front lines of a justice movement? Because we're alive today. And maybe, maybe it just so happens that we were put here in this time and in this place, not to be apathetic, not to look the other way like we do so often and so easily, but to look at this sorrow, to take the way you felt when you watched that movie and remember it. And then think of like, man, I can, I can do something small that my friends, maybe my family are going to say, that's not really moving the needle at all. But you know that the only way the needle's ever been moved is through a combination of a, of, of a bunch of unselfish people that decided to put their rights and their privileges on the side to die to ourselves, to die to our comfort and to say, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually, um, move in the direction of freedom. Frederick Douglass, you know who he was? Uh, he was an escaped slave that became an abolitionist. He said, I prayed for 20 years, but I never got an answer until I started praying with my feet instead of my mouth. And that's what I'm looking for from anybody that hears this. Let's stop talking about stuff. Let's stop praying about stuff. Let's pray with our actions and pray too, but let's pray with our actions. So good. So good. Um, we just have a few extra minutes. I probably don't want to take your whole day. Do you have anything else you want to bring up, talk, discuss? We like giving the, our, our artists, guests, like the floor to speak with if they want. We are getting ready to do a Kickstarter probably next week for um, the, you know, we have the trilogy of counter-trafficking albums, but we're going to do another album that hopefully is a little more broader, not as specific just about trafficking, but so songs that apply to, one of the things I'm excited about is rehabilitating um, people that have been through this. And and um, so with our Kickstarter, we have a bunch of kimonos and um, bracelets that are made by survivors of trafficking. Um, and we're going to do a documentary series about celebrating some of the stories I just told about people that got involved in, in seemingly <laughs> insignificant ways. Um, so look for that. Uh, hopefully it'll be out. Um, the back half of July and most of August. So we'll make sure to share that for you. Like we'll just edit our episode description and we'll drop the link in there. So anyone that's listening, check that out. Um, for those who's also listening, we'll drop the link to um, Exodus Roads, part of your website and everything. So yeah. they can get information there. And we'll also include a link with Sound of Freedom because that's just came in theaters last week and it's probably going to be in theaters for a few months. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, thank you for joining us this, on this episode. Brad, do you have anything else you want to close with? Um, thank you again, David, for joining us. We definitely appreciate it. Definitely love this conversation. And for all those listening, definitely check out Remedy Drive's albums. Their last three has been an incredible trilogy that I highly recommends so much great lyrical content, so much great awareness and beautifully written songs. And yeah, thank you again, David, for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. And we'll not see you next week, guys, because... We won't be here next week, but we'll see you guys the week after that. So tune in. Thanks again, everyone. And I hope you guys have a great week.